JMV here with Brian Kahn from Floors to Your Home. Fans, if you're shopping for flooring of any kind, you need to check these guys out. You're going to have the most incredible, totally hassle-free shopping experience ever. JMV, we really appreciate you saying that. That's our goal every day, to offer our customers a quick, easy, and hassle-free experience at all of our Floors to Your Home locations. Fans, it works like this. You see the product you like. It's going to be cheaper than anywhere else. That's for sure. Then you can immediately take it home with you or have it installed. That's right. No hassle, no special order. Just see it, buy it, and take it home, or have it installed. Like three rooms of hardwood, laminate, or waterproof flooring starting at just 349 and they have everything in stock. I'm doing my whole house, and believe me, this is the best shopping experience you'll ever have. Three convenient locations, Avon, Noblesville, and Brookville Road. Who gives the quickest, easiest, and most hassle-free buying experience? Floors to your home. That's who. Uh, Boilermakers got to find a new head coach for the football program. Boilermakers a win over Hofstra last night. He had the call of the game, and he's Rob Blackman, voice of the Boilermakers on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. I guess it's more fitting, Rob, to start with the football program. What did you gather from what the athletic director, Mike Bobinski had to say about the future head coach of that Boilermaker football program today? Uh, well... I don't know that there was anything too earth-shattering. I think Mike Bobinski said exactly what we thought Mike was going to say. Um, and, again, I don't. there are no surprises here, John. You know that. I mean, the fact that, that Purdue was able to keep Jeff Brom four years ago when Louisville came calling the first time was a little bit of a minor miracle. So when it happened a second time, you pretty much knew that, uh, that it was going to be a done deal. So, uh, one thing I did find interesting, and again, not that I'm surprised, but you know, Mike Bobinski said in his press conference that just took place about 30 minutes or so ago that you know this this was not a surprise to us. We we've, we've been planning for this. We knew this day was coming, uh, and they you know they're out in front of it. It's not like they were totally caught off guard, and now you're trying to you know put a quick list together of potential candidates. It sounds to me like the list of candidates had been put together a long time ago. So. Um, that's the thing with this, not surprising. Um, I don't know that there's anyone in the Purdue athletics department that was surprised about this, uh, this decision. And I think the only surprising thing in John is, is kind of the timing of how it all went down as far as uh, from the start of the football season to the end of the football season, you know, early in the year, most of the, 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 the whisperings of the rumors were, you know, Hey, Scott Satterfield's going to get fired at Louisville and they're going to come after Jeff Brom and, uh, which is not what happened. You know, Scott Satterfield ended up having a pretty decent season at Louisville. So then, you know, come November or so, the whispers had kind of changed to, well, it looks like Brom's going to be around for a while. And then, of course, that all quickly changed when, when Satterfield decided to take the Cincinnati job. So ultimately, Jeff Brom ended up at Louisville. I think a lot of folks thought he, that's exactly what was going to happen. It just kind of happened in a little bit different manner in which we thought it would go, you know, it would happen. But uh, good for Coach Brom. Look, did some wonderful things for Purdue football, without question. I mean, bowl games and West Division champs and, and really put Purdue football back on the map, uh, if, if not his team, certainly some of the players he had playing for him, guys like Rondale Moore and Aiden O'Connell, uh, made Purdue football fun again. And uh, so uh, I know this is a long-winded answer, but at the end of the day, uh, this was no surprise to anyone in that Purdue athletic department. Everyone saw it coming, and, and so here we are. Everybody makes the break amicably here. I guess because you oh, yeah. knew I, you yeah, knew I that this was coming. Yeah, I don't. I don't see. I don't hear of or see any any ill will or hard feelings or tension between any of the parties involved. It, my, as Mike Bobinski said, look, it, 
this was not a matter of Jeff Brom left Purdue because of what Purdue could not do. It had nothing to do with Purdue and what they could not do, but rather that Louisville is home. I mean, you just you can't compete with that. The guy was born and raised there. He played his college football there. He's a hometown hero there. No matter what amount of money Purdue could have thrown at him, uh, he was eventually taking a Louisville job. And it just so happened to be in 2022. So, uh, yeah, no hard feelings either way. Uh, Mike Bobinski even mentioned in his press conference that he and he and Jeff Brom actually worked together to try to put together a staff to help get this team through the bowl game on January right. 2nd. So, well, I mean, it's, so it's weird. There's still going to be a Brom coaching in the Citrus <laughs> yeah, Bowl, which is probably the, the most odd of this story, I guess, to this point. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, again, something Bobinski said in the press conference is he's, he talked to Brian and said, hey, I don't know what will happen after January 2nd, but if you're interested in sticking around at Purdue, we'd love to have you. Now, he didn't say specifically as an offensive coordinator, as a quarterback coach or a head coach, he didn't say anything from a specific standpoint on the staff, but he said, and I'm, you know, I'm kind of, I'm not, I'm not directly quoting here, but he basically said, "Look, we told Brian we'd, have, we'd be happy to have him if he wants to stay." So I don't see that happening. <laughs> I, don't, I think that would certainly make for an awkward situation if Brian Brom stayed at Purdue. But it sounds like that door is open and the offer has been made. So we'll see, we'll see how it goes down. But I anticipate he'll join Jeff and and the rest of the crew in Louisville after January second. You got anything in mind about what's necessary here or the direction in which they they need to go? <laughs> I, I suggested Rob yesterday that. You know, again, more innovative offensive looks um, with this team. I, it, does it need to be a, a, an older coach, uh, a more solidified coach? You know, a younger, hot OC, a younger, hot lower level coach. What, what do you think they're looking at? I would say, I don't know what they're looking at, but I would say if you look at the Purdue model over the years when Purdue has had success, and even going back, quite frankly, to the late '60s. Uh, when Purdue was, you know, when they were, when Purdue was playing Notre Dame in games that featured number one versus number two in the country, it was always it was always about quarterbacks and it was always about offense and innovative offense. And certainly Joe Tiller, a more recent memory, is one that one would point to and say, yeah, that was that's really what sets Purdue apart. And I would agree with that. Jeff Brom was made in that same mold. Uh, the types of coaches that have had the most success at Purdue have been very innovative thinkers offensively and they've had very strong quarterback play. Those are the two things that have always separated when Purdue has had good teams. Now, when Purdue has had bad teams, uh, Purdue hasn't had those things. Um, so traditionally, one would think that's the direction Purdue will be looking. I obviously can't speak for Mike Bobinski. I have no idea what he'll be looking for. I didn't make the mistake of yesterday going online to some social media sites and trying to see maybe who the fans thought would be a good choice. Yeah. And I must, I must have read like 50 different names. So it, it, tw- it twisted you up a little bit is what you're saying. <laughs> oh, oh, my God. I mean, I thought there'd be two or three guys that everyone was kind of, you know, uh, pretty solid on. But that is not the case. I, I bet I, like I said, I bet I read 50 different names that folks think would be a good fit. So uh, I would say buckle in, Purdue fans. This might be a wild ride here over the next couple of weeks. It's uh, Rob Blackman of the Boilermaker Radio Network. We'll get to the uh, basketball fellows in just a second. But level of concern about what players right now may end up also trailing Jeff Brom down to Louisville. And, and I, listen, I, I don't know much about it, but the, the Maccabee kid, maybe in particular, he's a Southern Indiana kid. You know, Boonville's not, you know, next door to Louisville by any stretch, but not that far away. Is there, uh, you know, any any fear that maybe he – he gets some of the players from that present roster or future roster to go with him? I think that's always a fear. 
Uh, although I will say, I had it passed along to me today on, on Maccabee's uh, social media from his posts. Anyway, it makes it sound as if he's sticking around at Purdue. He's not going anywhere. Again, I don't know. I mean, it's right. it, it's so discombobulated now, though. You know how it is now, John. Two things that have really made this extremely more difficult as far as the timing goes for any college football coach to, to take a new job at this point in the season. You have the early signing day coming up here, uh, December, whatever it is, 21st, maybe somewhere in there. Um, so that's coming up here in less than three weeks. And you have a bowl game to prepare for. And you have the transfer portal to, uh, portal to have to worry about. Um, so it's a much different animal than it used to be. And that's something Bobinski talked about, too. It's much different than it was 10 years ago when you maybe didn't have to act quite as urgently on finding your new head coach when your coach resigns right at the end of the regular season. With the early signing period in the transfer portal, that has now changed immensely. Um, so which, which Purdue guys would possibly follow Coach Brom uh, to Louisville? I have no idea which guys will stay. I don't have any idea. I do know this. I do think with the way college football is constructed these days, no matter who the coach happens to be, the new head coach, you can win right away. I mean, we saw that last year at Michigan State. They bring in a new head coach. He basically brought in an entire new team through the transfer portal. And, you know, they were ranked top five in the country for most of the season with all guys that had never stepped on Michigan State's campus before the, before two years ago. Uh, so you can certainly win right away if you can do it the right way in the transfer portal. Uh, as we we learned last year with Michigan State yeah. team, now this year they weren't very good. But, but last year, I think they kind of showed everyone, here's the blueprint. If you're a new head coach and you want to win right away, just go get yourself a brand-new football team from a bunch of different players all over the country and, and cobble it together for one season. Hey, Rob, did uh, Bobinski give a timetable? Uh, he did not. Um, he also said, you know, in kind of a – uh, in kind of a joking manner. He's like, I know you guys are going to want to bug me every day about who have you talked to, who are you interviewing, who are the candidates, how many are you going to bring in? And he said, just so you know, I'm not going to say anything. <laughs> so uh, you can try as you might, but I'm not going to, I'm not giving out any secrets here. So I don't know. Uh, uh, like I said, and again, Mike said the same thing, transfer portal and early signing period does certainly pick up the urgency of a hiring here on this deal. So, but, look, the other side of the coin is, John, you know this too, you don't want to hurry yourself into a bad decision and then be stuck with a bad decision for three or four or five years. You want to make sure you get it right. So if that means sacrificing early signing day just to make sure you get the right guy, then, then that's what will have to be done. He's Rob Blackman, the voice of the Boilermakers on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. All right, regarding Zach Eady uh, and his rise to even more prominence this season. What has been more surprising here? The fact that he has basically sidestepped consistently so far this year any sort of foul difficulties, or the fact that he goes from 19 to 29 minutes per game. I don't know where that is right now. And he slid right into that relatively conditioning-wise easily. What's the more surprising aspect here to you? Yeah, the conditioning side, without question. Um, you said it, 19 minutes a game last year. Now, granted, Travion Williams is pretty good in his own right. He's playing in the G League right now, so you didn't mind giving 21 minutes to Travion. Uh, however, the fact that conditioning-wise, he has gotten himself in a position where he can carry, you know, 300 pounds, seven foot four, 300 pounds up and down the floor, 30 minutes a game. That is awfully impressive. Um, and it, and look, his skill level is—I mean, it's really come a long way. He would, 
he was always a pretty good offensive player in his first two years at Purdue, but he has taken it to an absolute another level right now. His passing is better. His patience, uh, as far as passing out of double teams and just seeing the defense is so much better. And the fact you brought it up, he's not in foul trouble. Hasn't been in foul trouble one game all season. Um, I think, I'd have to double check this, but I do think that very first game of the year against Milwaukee, uh, Zach got a foul in like the first 45 seconds of the game, (laughs) which in the past, he would have immediately come out of the game. Would have immediately come out of the game and Travion would have replaced him. That's just how it always was with Matt Painter. Matt left him in that game. And, of course, he went on to have, I think, 12.17 rebounds. Um, that's the only time I can think of Zach being in foul trouble. And that's not even really foul trouble. That's just an early foul for him. Um, so he's, yeah, he's playing. He's avoiding foul trouble. He's playing 30 minutes a game. His offensive skill level is just improved by leaps and bounds. He's just, man, he's doing so many things well right now for Purdue. And it's been good because Purdue has needed it. Purdue has been far from perfect uh, offensively, as Matt Painter will tell you. They've, they've made a lot of mistakes on the offensive end. But there's a great, you know, there's a great cure for those mistakes, and that's just throw it into Big Z and let him go to work. And Purdue has at least been smart enough to figure that out this year with those young guards. And when it's not going well for you, just throw it in there to Zach Eady, and, and he'll take care of the rest. So that, that's uh, that's been a very very positive uh, uh, outcome here for Purdue at least early in the season. This is not at all a shot at Travion Williams. I'm just kind of curious. It, it seems like because now there's not that juggling of of clock for Matt Painter that that has allowed even more so Zach Eady to blossom. So is that kind of, at least in, in terms of that, kind of an addition uh, by subtraction uh, with his game going to another level without you know having to juggle the time between the two bigs? Sure, maybe so. I mean, Travion was a, he, he was a preseason All-American who played off the bench. Think about that. He had a guy that's preseason All-American that wasn't even the starting lineup. So obviously you feel kind of obligated to get him in the game if he's a preseason All-American. Um, but the other thing I probably should mention, you know, Zach's uh, ball screen defense has also gotten a lot better. Now it's not, you know, it's not Travion Williams level. Travion was really good at that ball screen defense. That's another reason he had, to, he had an opportunity to play a bunch. Um, but Zach has gotten much better at that. So it makes it a little bit easier to leave Zach in the game, especially when teams put us in high ball screen stuff with uh with really good point guards. Um, so that's helped too. But yeah, I don't, I don't know. It's, that's a wonderful question to have, you know, Purdue had a great problem on their hands last year. They had two really good centers in Zach Eady and, and Travion Williams. Um, now this year, it's really just the Zach Eady show. And, and at least for the moment, that seems to be just fine with, uh, with Purdue basketball because he's, because he's certainly carrying his weight. Hey Rob, if there's one, one issue that you think has to, uh, evolve better with, with this team that stands out to you right now. And they've been playing fantastically, no doubt about that. But if there's if there's one thing you say, you know what, this absolutely has to get better, for example, by the time you get into the teeth of the Big Ten season with this team in mind, what is it? Attention to detail on the defensive end. And those are not my words. <laughs> those are Matt Painter's. Uh, while we, and he has said this uh, numerous times. The one thing this team has done really well is they played very hard and they played with great competitive spirit. That has been able to mask a lot of errors that Purdue has been been making on the defensive end. Uh, Just whether it be miscommunication or not sticking with the scouting report or or not uh, finding the right shooters, for instance, in transition. 
things that haven't burned Purdue yet at this point. And again, they've been able to overcome a lot of these things just by playing hard. But eventually that is going to catch up to you. And the coaches in the Big Ten, I mean, these are the best coaches in the country. They are going to figure out where you are deficient on defense, and they are going to exploit that. And they're going to exploit it every single game until you get it figured out. So that is where Purdue has to get better on the defensive end. Now, I will say this. Purdue is way ahead, miles ahead of where they were defensively last year. Purdue is not a very good defensive team at all last year. They're miles ahead of where they were last year. But they're still not where they need to be. Matt Painter would be the first to tell you that. If Purdue could literally – if Purdue could just get a little bit better. Don't even need to be great. Just a little bit better on the defensive end. Um, I mean, this could be a really, really special team. Are we talking on ball or just everything? Team defensively. All all five guys being connected. All five guys understanding what's my job on the defensive end. Uh, And and even more specifically, scouting report specific. Who am I supposed to, you know, who can I not let catch and shoot? Uh, Who can I not allow a catch at all? Uh, If a guy does catch it, is he going right shoulder? Is he going left shoulder? Uh, You know, what plays are they trying to run on this particular set at this particular time on the clock? All these little things that uh, it's really more mental than anything. Coach Painter always says that, for the, especially on defense, it's just about concentration. If you can just concentrate a little bit harder and, be, and stick to the scouting report and your rules on defense, again, this group could be really, really special. Yeah, it um, has been a, a great season so far, too. And, you know, I, I think I said this a little bit earlier, Rob, what, what it does when you beat teams like, you know, Gonzaga and Duke, and then you add in West Virginia and even Marquette and and do what you've done to be unbeaten so far. And then you give Zach Eady, you get all that national press, that enlarges the bullseye on this team's back even more so now. So there's going to be no sneaking up on anybody whatsoever. So let's start with Saturday. We saw Nebraska last night lose in Bloomington, a little bounce-back situation for them coming up on Saturday as they welcome in Purdue to Lincoln. And I believe that game is, what, 2.15 in the afternoon as uh, we size up that matchup. And then after that, a week later, Davidson is an interesting one with a team that can score the basketball a little bit. What about having that target on your back if you're the Boilermakers? Well, it'll be interesting for this young team because obviously that's not something they're used to having, especially when you consider this group wasn't even in the preseason top 25. Mm -hmm. They literally have skyrocketed their way to a top five ranking. And when you beat Duke and and uh, Gonzaga in neutral side games, uh, you, you will do that. You'll skyrocket your way from unranked to a top five team. Um, so that is going to be a new experience. The other thing, John, on Saturday, uh, this is going to be Purdue's first true road game. Now, I know Purdue played a road game at Florida State last week, but it that was not the feel of a road team. I mean, Florida State's not very good. Um, I don't know if there were even 5,000 people in the building. And I would say if there were, 2,000 of those were Purdue fans. I mean, it was not a true road test at all. Saturday will be a true road test. That, that, that place will be sold out. Uh, it always is, even when Nebraska's bad in basketball, which traditionally they have been. They still sell out all their games. Um, and I also read today uh, in, their, in the game notes for Nebraska that uh, Purdue at number four is the highest-ranked team that's ever played in Pinnacle Bank Arena ever. Uh, so that place, that place is going to be nuts on Saturday, and it's going to be the first real true road test. And I'm anxious to see how our young guys are going to handle that you know, because they, we've had some neutral side games, obviously, in Portland, but that's a whole lot different when you truly are the enemy in someone else's building and it's a sold-out crowd. We saw it 
Think about last year. Purdue started the season 8-0. We're number one in the country. Yep. Purdue, Purdue played its first true road game of the year at Rutgers. Dude. What happened? Lost. Yeah, was that the that's a Ron was that the Ron Harper junior yeah. half quarter? Half quarter at the buzzer. Yeah. But lost, right? And Purdue just kinda lost their mind towards the end. Should have won that game. But lost their mind towards the end of the game and, and got rattled, I think, by that home crowd. So we saw it happen last year. And uh if you're a Purdue fan, you hope it doesn't happen this year with Nebraska, who is more than capable because we just saw them beat Creighton last weekend, who was number seven in the country at Creighton. So they're more than capable, but yeah, that'll be a real test. And then, you know, the Davidson game was going to be cool about that, obviously, is yep. Fletcher Lawyer versus yep. Foster Lawyer. Uh, that, that'll obviously be the storyline going into that game. And, and I'm anxious to watch Foster play because uh, he's more than capable of scoring, you know, 30, 35 points in a game. So I'm kind of I'm kind of anxious to, to watch him play, to be very honest with you. Fletcher and Foster sounds like a place we'd go buy a button-down shirt. <laughs> and I just, I just uh, when we were out in Portland, I met their dad, John, who's actually a a scout for the Clippers, um, and I really, I really enjoyed getting to know him. So he did not have, uh, he didn't have an answer for me when I, when I asked what he was going to do with that game. If he would have like a half Purdue shirt, half Davidson shirt, and he didn't say. So I don't, I don't know what's going to go on. But I'm, I'm very much looking forward to that game, if for no other reason to watch the the lawyer boys go head to head against one another. Yeah, that will be good. Yeah, the Braden Smith comparisons. Um, you're, we're the same age, so I, I think you probably would have a bit of a basis of comparison here. When somebody throws out uh, because of, of you know the, the gritty, you know, on the floor, um, just always locked in nature that he plays, even with as a freshman. Is there a Scott Skiles comparison to be made at all to you? Yeah, sure. I like that comparison. I like that a lot. You're and you're right. I remember. Scott Skiles at Plymouth and obviously at Michigan State and then having that great career that he had in the NBA. So, yeah, there's a lot of comparisons there. Um, but like any freshman, look, Braden's had he's had his ups and downs. The really nice thing about this year's team um, is that David Jenkins Jr., and I'm certain Purdue fans weren't really overly happy when they saw David Jenkins Jr. was going to be a, a grad transfer at Purdue because they knew nothing about him. Uh, but I think what has happened is he's become one of Purdue fans' all-time favorite players simply because he's been a great compliment for Braden Smith. Whenever Braden is struggling, you just put David in the game. He's a sixth-year player. I mean, hell, he graduated high school in 2016. (laughs) (laughs) So there's nothing he hasn't seen in a college basketball game. He's been through the rigors. Yeah, He comes in the game, settles the team down, then he can bring Braden back in, then Braden can get back to work. Um, so that's been a real benefit, I think, for Braden Smith, just to, to how good David Jenkins Jr. has been. Uh, but back to your point, sure, if we want to make a Scott Skiles comparison, that's cool with me because there there are a lot of resemblances, it appears, uh, anyway. Yeah, well, I can tell you this. You sound like you have a hell of a good time calling those games. No doubt about that. So. Well, when, you, when you're 9-0, and it seems to be a little bit more fun than 0-9. I know that for sure. Hey, by the way, I haven't talked to you since. Did you go to the uh, the Nike place? Did you see the uh, old-school Hoya Dunks when you yeah, went there? Was, uh, first of all, yes, uh, and it was really enjoyable uh, trip, but they'd, I, I'd been a little bit misled, John, on what all was, uh, what all was okay. available for us to purchase. So, no, I did not see those. I still spent a, a, a crap load of money, though, uh, <laughs> while I was there. Uh, you just can't help yourself, uh, can you? I, I, I'd be, I'd be the same guy. thing if I yeah, saw all those old school Nike Dunks, especially if they came in the uh, you know the silver and the blue of of the Georgetown Hoyas back in '85, for example. There's no way I could leave without them. 
John, it was a hell of a deal, though. Everything you purchased, 40% off. 40%. And mm. if you wanted them, if you wanted them to, they'd ship it back to your house in Indiana. I mean, it was just, oh, it was magical. What'd you take? What'd you take home with you? Well, I can't tell you because if the kids are listening, uh, they would give away their Christmas presents. Gotcha. All right, just a lot of stuff, a lot of, a lot of things. A lot of they're things. probably listening to Ed Sheeran or something like that. Oh, so yeah. I'm not listening. They're not listening, but I don't want to. <laughs> I don't want to take that. All right, man. I appreciate it. Uh, stay in touch, and uh, we'll talk to you whenever there's a uh, a new coach hired for the football program. And and I'm sure leading up to the start of the Big Ten season, well, actually, it's already officially started, and certainly will fire up, uh, refire up again coming up in Nebraska on Saturday. Rob, it's always a pleasure, my friend. Appreciate you. Enjoyed it. Thank you, Rob Blackman of the Boilermaker Radio Network on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. We're on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline from Pigs.com. Somebody messed around and got a triple-double last night, and now you got that Big Ten win over Nebraska in resounding fashion at home in Bloomington. And uh, Jeff's going to talk about that and more with us again via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Hello, Jeff. How are you? My friend, I am good. How are you? I could not be more fantastic when it comes to this being hoop season and it's wall-to-wall, brother. I love it. I hear you. I hear you. You and I are both in the same boat, brother. Um, did you kind of look at that Rutgers game as, all right, this team, we've been down this path before. You just you kind of take your medicine on that particular Saturday afternoon and move on. Did that win last night over Nebraska tell you anything about how they did quickly move on from what was a bad game at Rutgers on Saturday afternoon? It, it did a little bit. But they were they were kind of different games from, from this standpoint. You know, Rutgers not only doubled Trace, uh, they doubled him no matter where he was. And anytime IU got him the ball outside the paint, you know, kind of like the mid post ex- extended, um, Rutgers also kept kept somebody at the rim. So even if Trace got three, he was going to run into a rim protector. Um, the other thing that Rutgers did is even when IU had the ball outside they had four guys either at or no more than one step away from the paint. And, and Rutgers did double trace sometimes, but they doubled him with smaller guards. You know, Grissel was out and he's whatever he is, six, 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 seven. So they were, they were bringing a little smaller guy, but, but Nebraska did not keep four guys in the paint the way Rutgers did. So it was a little bit of two different defensive game plans. But one thing that I did think jumped out at Rutgers, when the ball went to trace way too often, four guys stood there and watched. I don't know what they were doing, uh, but they stood. I mean, just stood there and watched. And you saw last night in, in the Nebraska game, IU moved much better. You know, there was that one really good play. Trace has the ball outside on the wing. Xavier Johnson comes off, cuts into the lane. Trace hits him, boom, layup. Uh, and I thought IU's three-point shooters moved with purpose much more against Nebraska. They were hunting shots. It wasn't just, okay, I'm going to go position myself here in the corner. Or I'm going to position myself up top and stand here. And if I get the ball, I get the ball. It was full, far much more purposeful, and they were hunting shots. And I, th- I think, you know, any coach will tell you, when guys are hunting shots on purpose and, and shooting purposefully and, 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 and with aggression, the chances of making them just go up. Um, we, we saw in the Rutgers game, there were several clips where 
you know, race gets the ball and hesitates, and the defender just kind of like looks at him like, what you going to do, bro? You going to shoot it? Go ahead, because I ain't coming out to get you. You know, and there was hesitation and there was much better movement and much better purpose from Indiana last night against Nebraska. So, Jeff, Rob Johns of Peaks.com, all you over Nebraska, eighty-one sixty-five. Next up on the road in Vegas versus Arizona, which should be fun to watch coming up on Saturday. I think get back to uh, last night a little bit regarding Trey Galloway. Health, maturation, um, consistency, what is – else going into what you see differently out of him at the start of this year compared to the Trey Galloway in the couple of years prior? All of that, plus he's a better shooter. He's a better shooter. Um, you know, Brian Walsh and Jordan Hulls have worked with him a lot on, on kind of moving his guide hand more to the side of the ball rather than he kind of had it a little bit in front. Had a little bit of that funky release. The release is better. Um, I even remember seeing that. I think it was late fall um, when he was doing some workouts at different places. And I was like, whoa, that's a different shot. And so I think that's skill-wise, I think that's the biggest development for Trey Galloway. He's just a better shooter. Um, obviously, being healthy has helped. Um, you know, he, he, had, he had to have groin surgery. Then he had to, you know, rehab and everything. And one thing he did while he was rehabbing from groin surgery, he couldn't do much physically, but he could stationary shoot. So he spent a lot of time doing what he could do, which was stationary shoot, really just work on shot prep, work on his form, hips, hands, you know, heels, everything lined up, and and then uh, a a better shot. But I I think that's the biggest thing we're seeing with Trey Galloway is he is a better shooter than he was the last couple years. Obviously, it has to continue, but I think everybody who saw that shot and saw him as a senior in high school – notices clearly it's a very different shot for Trey Galloway right now. Hey Jeff, Xavier Johnson to me, he if he plays consistently well, and you saw that certainly at the tail end of the season a year ago, consistently well, this team is the best it can be. But are there times where if he's not playing well, he just can't get out of his own way or out of his own head in this case? Is that the biggest issue with him? Yeah, I think he gets sped up at times. I think there are times he tries to do too much. He's a very passionate guy. He's passionate about his teammates. He's passionate about the game. Um, but he can get to where he's trying to do a little too much, and then emotions kind of bubble over. Uh, we saw that on several possessions. I don't know if TV showed it, but there were several possessions, several times at the Rutgers game where you know, you're going into a TV timeout and the Rutgers guys are jawing at him. And instead of just going back to his huddle, He's standing there sort of like taking a couple steps towards them, jawing at them, and it's like, dude, let it go. They are trying to get into your head. Uh, other teams know that he can be emotional. They try to goad him. I mean, they're, you know, they're, they're poking the bear with the stick. They're talking to him, trying to get him to get a little off kilter, even if it's just for, you know, a couple minutes here or there. But I think, you know, him staying under control is a big key. And I do think what, what we're seeing is, you know, uh, you know he misses Jalen Hutchfino a little. Because Jalen Hutchifino is incredibly calm, businesslike. And there are times when you have Jalen Hutchifino out there, you can actually, you know, if the other team's trying to get to Xavier Johnson, you just move Xavier Johnson off the ball for a few possessions. Okay, Jalen, you deal with it. You deal with all the talking, all the nonsense. You bring the ball up. And it just gives Xavier Johnson a chance to catch his breath and calm down. Uh, but when Jalen Hutchifino's out, as, as he is now with his sore lower back issue, you know, Xavier's got to be out there a little more, and he's got to have the ball in his hands more. 
So I think one thing that Indiana did against Nebraska, there were some possessions where uh, Trey Galloway at least initiated the offense and gave Xavier just a couple of breaths. Uh, and I think that's very helpful for Xavier to sort of be able to, you know, kind of just go, you know, off the ball, out of the main fray for a couple of possessions, take a breath, and, and kind of rebalance yourself. Jeff Rabjohns of Peaks.com is on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. You you look at uh, Trace Jackson Davis. Anything different from him? And I guess what I look at regarding him is the quality or the higher level of leadership he's providing this team. Is there anything different than what we saw a year ago? Well, I think skill-wise, the biggest thing he's added as a senior is passing. Um, He was always a willing passer, but now he's a very good passer. Um, He can find cutters. He can post up and pass out. And, And as we saw last night against Nebraska, you can throw it to him really almost on the wing. You know, a couple of those passes, he was probably a step further out than what you would call the mid post extended. And he can pass from the perimeter. Now Um, we even saw it at the Xavier game, you know, when they tried to bring Zach Fremantle and Jack Nungy at him. And, you know, he, he kind of, he kind of diced Xavier up for a couple of different stretches early in the season. And he certainly was terrific at it last night against Nebraska. So I think passing is the skill that's really changed for him. And, And that makes him unbelievably dangerous. I mean, think about this. We're talking about a guy who's top five all-time at Indiana in blocks, is about to be top five all-time at Indiana in rebounds, and and is top ten all-time in scoring, and is about to move up in all three of those categories. You know, we're talking about somebody whose skill as a scorer, as a rebounder, and as a shot blocker are elite. I mean, he has three elite skills. He is elite at the rim of scoring. He he is elite as a rebounder, and he is elite as, as as a shot blocker. You know, and last year, you know, Archie often focused on you got to block your guy out. You got to block your guy out. And what Mike Woodson did was kind of sort of untether him from his guy. You can leave your guy to go to the rim to block a shot. So the shot blocking took a big step last year. And this year, I think the next step that he's added, he he is an elite passer for a big man. He he is really, you know, Sean Miller even mentioned that, like, you know, freshman year, you worried about, you know, A, B, and C, but there were other things he couldn't do. And Sean Miller even said, you know, he's almost unguardable now because if he gets to the rim, he's scoring or he's getting to the line, he's shooting somewhere around 70% to the line. If, if if other guys cut, if you double, he's making passes, he's getting buckets. There's almost nothing you can do with him at this point. You just pray that maybe you bump him enough and he doesn't have a great game. But the, but the passing for a big man, you, you can make an argument right now that, that he is certainly in the category, or at least in the conversation, best passing big man in the country. Hood Shafino, what's the latest on his injury situation, Jeff? Yeah, they're still trying to. I think it's kind of a, you know, it's in a little bit of a holding pattern right now. Uh, it's, a, it's a lower back situation. And, um, you know, he's, he's missed a game. I, you know, we'll see. I would put him, I guess, as we sit here today, I'd put him questionable at best probably for Arizona. You know, you never know with backs. Maybe he can you know, get a shot and get that thing loosened up. But I would say as a rally, probably questionable. And, um, you know, they're going to try to just keep working with him and, and hopefully get him back here in the relative near future. All right. So really no timetable is what we're talking about right now. Could right be now, a, no, a, a tad lengthy maybe is what we're saying. 
they don't think so. They don't think it's going to be long term. But 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 there there is a chance he misses another game, and you know, then obviously after they play Arizona, yeah. they have a week off, then they go to Kansas. Um, so as we sit here today, you've really got what nine ten days before the Kansas game. Um, so they're ho- they're hopeful that they get him back, but it's a back situation, and back situations can be a little bit funky. Yeah, and uh, there's there's um, there's no concern that it won't be that it will be before January, right? I mean, it will be. That is that too long? Looking at it all the way till January, you think? In your opinion? I mean, they're hopeful they get him back before that. Okay, that, that's what I'd say. They're hopeful. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Hey, um, what are you going to take away from that matchup with Arizona coming up on Saturday, too? Because you know, we know about Arizona. I mean, Tommy Lloyd and your number two of, you know, getting that program certainly um, off the ground quickly, at least during his uh, coaching tenure so far. What do you think about that matchup in Vegas Saturday? I think it's going to be really interesting how Indiana handles all of Arizona's length. You know, it's not just with the post player, it's not just with the four and five men. Uh, they've got really good length on the wings. They can get out and they can play fast. They can make shots. Uh, I'm very curious to see how Indiana shoots over like a five-game stretch. They were good against Nebraska. Had a really good game. Shot over 40%. You know, had more than 10 makes. Took 25 threes. And, and I think, and, and everybody on the Pigs board is going to go, yeah, Rabbi, we've heard this a million times. I, I think they got to get around 20, 22, 23 three-point attempts up per game. Because if you look at some of the, the analytics, you know, if you were totally dependent upon post-scoring, difficult to make runs in March. The math has demonstrated that for a number of years now. And, you know, you, you don't want bad shooters taking threes, but you want your guards to get enough threes up to where you're a threat. And if you're shooting anywhere even close to 40%, even really if you're around 36 37%, then you want to get somewhere between at least 22 and 24 three-pointers up per game. And there have been some games when IU's only gotten, you know, 10, 11, 12, 13 threes up. And I really think that the, the analytics show that you need to get in the 20s. So for Indiana to make 11 threes is good. For them to shoot over 40%, obviously, is very good. But it's also really good for Indiana that they took 25, that they, they moved with purpose, again, to hunt threes. And they gave Trace Jackson Davis somewhere to throw the ball. You know, if, if, if he's getting doubled, somebody should be open. But you've got to move to where the guy with the ball can find you. You can't just stand in the corner and go, hey, buddy, I'm open. Throw me the ball. You know, this ain't, this ain't the why. Okay? Um, so I, I do think that they, they need to get more threes up. And performances like they had against Nebraska are, are they ideal. You're not going to, you know, hit your ideal mark every game. But I am curious to kind of maybe get like a five-game stretch here where they play quality competition, and then we can see, okay, what, what kind of threes can you make against the Arizonas and Kansas of the world? I know those are tough games. I'm not expecting greatness, but I just kind of want to see what it looks like here before we get to January and, and the Big Ten play really kicks in. What's Indiana? What's, what's their baseline right now as far as most likely performance from three against quality competition? It's uh, Jeff Rabjohns of Pigs.com with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Last night, the win over Nebraska. Next up in Las Vegas, the uh, Arizona Wildcats of Tommy Lloyd should be fun coming up on Saturday. Jeff, I appreciate it. We will do it again soon. I'm assuming you're going to Vegas, so have one hell of a time out there. Should be a good time. Should be a good time. Actually, going to fly out tomorrow and uh, hang out with uh, 
I think there's a lot of Peaksters who are going out, so I think we should have a should have a good group to hang out. And uh, where do the Peaksters go? Do they Friday. go? Do they go to a strip club? Is that where you guys go? <laughs> no, I think we're just. I think a lot of us are at MGM, MGM Park, that that, that part of the strip, and I think we're all just going to hang out and. You know, have a couple drinks. Yeah, and, uh, maybe maybe play a little cards. Who knows? We'll see. I don't know if it's still there, but back in the day, they had a place called Cheetahs and uh, Peaches. Peaches, uh, Peaches is probably <laughs> around twenty two years older than Peaches was back then. <laughs> but Peaches was rather special back in the day, and this was a. I don't know if Cheetahs is still open. So, if you and the Peaksters are looking for something, maybe that's it. Maybe Peaches is still there. Peaches would be about fifty two years old now. Wow! Wow! Okay, I I gotta say I I I doubt we I doubt we venture out that way, my brother. I doubt it. <laughs> All right, man. I appreciate you. Take it easy. All right, man. Thanks for talking to you, Jeff Rabjohns of Peaks. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Meantime, on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline from CBS4 and Fox 59, got kind of a light work week going on with Mike Chappell. Joining us now, I mentioned this a little bit earlier, and I don't think I'm off base on this. This last month or less of the season's going to be interesting because we have so few answers right now. And, you know, what I thought the feeling was from Jim Mersey regarding Jeff Saturday and this team a couple of weeks ago is not the same as it is right now. I, I kind of... Uh, it's a bit confusing, I guess, in a world of where you want the answers right here and right now. I've been back and forth on this for the past couple of days or so, whether or not that Jim Irsay, whether I thought wanted Jeff Saturday to have the gig for the longer-term future. Now it almost kind of feels like he's just getting some intel and maybe going a different direction and keeping Saturday on. Do you make any sense about the direction that they're going and what this last month of the season may look like, Mike? Not really, and I don't know what the last month of the season is going to show us. I, I just, I mean, well, what? I, I guess two things on Jeff Saturday. One is, will when the time comes at the end of the season, will he want to be considered? You know, maybe he'll say, "Hey, man, this was more than I thought. I, I knew it was going to be tough. I didn't know it was going to be all of this, and maybe it's too much for him." Or, if he's interested, I, I think he's certainly. One of the guys that they that they interview, I, I just I just think that's the case. Whether they go that direction, I don't know. I tend to think not, but that's just just me. Uh, I just think they're going to have candidates that bring much much more experience at this level to the table. But but we'll see. I just don't know what the last month of the season is going to be able to do, good or bad, in evaluating. Anything, you know, player-wise, it's, it's going to be important that Bernard Ryman gets more, you know, continues to play, and I think he's getting better. I really do think he's getting better. He's just got that bad situation of when the left tackle messes up, everybody sees it, and they've been in a couple of bad situations. I think he's been playing pretty well overall. 
but but what you know you make it let's say do they make a change at quarterback you know that that won't be well let's see what they've got moving forward it'll be what gives us the best chance of winning now so i don't know what moves they make that are pointed towards giving them a better idea of what they've got moving forward i just think they're sort of stuck uh with, with let's get these four games over with and then move into the real, you know, nut cutting time as far as what, what we have to do as a franchise moving forward. So I, I think we're in the, in, in, in the phase of we've got to kind of grin and bear it and get through this and, and then really get down to what they need to do to help this franchise get back on track. Cause right now it's off track. So do you think that Jim Irsay's mind has been changed at all from what his philosophy was and, and making that uh, out of left field higher compared to now going down with one win and, and three losses and and really a couple of bad ones in a spotlight of nationally televised games in which he'd cried for so much over the past seven years? You think a mind has well, been changed I, there? I just don't know because I, I still don't know exactly what he was trying to do. Uh, I'm not sure anybody could have come in here and done – much more than what Jeff's done, good or bad. I just don't, you know, there, I just don't know. That it, was so, it was so broken that I don't know what a, a new voice in the room was going to do. I think they got the initial burst, which you, uh, oftentimes you get, whether you bring in a new coach, uh, an interim coach, whether you change quarterbacks, you get that initial boost, and then things settle back to where they were. You know, all of a sudden, this team has turnovers again. Well, they've had turnovers all year. And they have sacks. Well, they've had sacks all year. You sort of, this is who you are. And it, and it helped that they played against a Raiders team that at the time was pretty bad, playing pretty poor. Now they've gotten their act together. So I, I, I still don't know exactly what they were trying to do uh, to bring in a different voice. And, and Jeff certainly was a different voice, a louder voice, I guess, than Frank Wright. But anyone who thought Frank Reich was a problem, he wasn't. Now, he, he was part of it. They all, they're all, again, they've all got their hands in it. But to think that, that this, was, this was on Frank or Marcus Brady or, or, or all of that was wrong, it's just such a, a comprehensive issue that, I, again, I, I wish I could say, you know, if they do this over the last month, it'll give them some kind of a, you know, catalyst into the off season. I just don't know what that would be. I mean, go back to Sam Ellinger, your starting quarterback, to, to prove what? You know, go to Nick Foles as your starting quarterback. Maybe stick with Matt Ryan. Maybe I, I, I don't know. I just don't know that whatever they do is going to make a big difference. So, Mike Chapel of CBS Four and Fox Fifty Nine on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. So, Monday after that Sunday nighter, I brought this up. And my thought was, if Jim Mercer really wanted to see Jeff Saturday succeed as the head coach, he should have given him a clean slate. Should have done it at the end of the year to start it. And then everybody could, you know, have an opinion on whether or not it was a right move, wrong move, just like they did anyway. But, Mike, as you mentioned kind of a moment ago, this all was going to happen. These losses, this embarrassment – uh, this season was going to go regardless of if it were Frank Reich leading the team, Jeff Saturday leading the team, uh, Bubba Ventrone, anybody. So if you really wanted him to succeed, would you have not 
just waited and taken that shot to give him a clean start, a clean slate this offseason? Uh, good, good point, because when it comes time to have the interview, let's say Jeff really wants it. I mean, really wants it. He'll go on there and say, yeah, my, my record as an interim coach is one and whatever, two and whatever. And again, you, you can't hold that against him. You, you just can't. You, you can't hold Sam Ellinger's two starts against him. You know, one they should have won and one that had no, they, they were never in. And Parks Frazier, you, you can't, how do you judge any of those guys uh, realistically? So, yeah, I, I, it's a good it's a good point. Now, now, if you want to talk about, you know, left field as well, if he, if Tim had waited until January or February, January anyway, and with a with the coaching search, and then he throws Jeff's name in there, there would have been just as much. Well, I don't know if there would have been just as much, you know, controversy or stir because because then he, he's not coaching games. You know, this was more so because he's he's actually out there with with the, with the, the the small resume uh and he's coaching games so that's different but yeah i don't know i i i don't know what it would have mattered uh because again you, you, you whatever information you have on jeff saturday would have been sort of the same because i don't know what you can point to over his his the last half of the season to say yeah, he did a good job, or yeah, he did a bad job, because the wins and it can't be the wins and losses. Now, it can be how they play, and you know that boy, that fourth quarter in Dallas was yeah. that was just so nobody wants that on their resume. Well, I mean, it, that, 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 yeah, it, it, it's funny you mentioned that too because I had somebody either yesterday or the day before, Mike, say, "Hey, you know, we don't talk too much about the first three in which they were right there, but the right. problem I have with it." That's fine. Talk about it all you want. I just think that this Colts team presently is more representative of the fourth quarter and the 33 given up in that quarter than they were hanging tough with a good team in Dallas on the road on Sunday night in the first three. Yeah, now that, that was an extreme. I mean, 33 points in a quarter, that's an extreme. But, but, but it, that, that was everything that's gone wrong. The turnovers, the sacks, the clean shots on the quarterback sacks were – Probably the running backs not doing his job in his job in pass protection, you know. And it, it was just it was that's that's who they've been. When this season's over, it's going to be like the the four or five bullet points are going to be whatever the turnovers end up being. What is it, twenty six and counting? Whatever the sacks are going to be, forty six and counting. You know, the f- thirty fumbles. I, I tweeted that out during the game, and and you look at it, you want to say, no, I've got to go back and check. It's it's thirty for crying out loud, and that's just think if they didn't cover all the you know more of these, then maybe you've lost twenty fumbles. There was a year not that long ago with Frank where they had like five. They 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 lost five fumbles. It was like a franchise record. So at the end of the season, it's going to be they did this to themselves. You know, even. Even with if, – if we want to sit here and say left tackle, yeah, it was a mess, and right guard's been a mess, yes. But if, if, if you can – if they had cut down on some of these turnovers and the sacks – now, the sacks are a big part of the left tackles. So they're all intertwined. But it, it's going to be about the things they did to themselves, the, 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 the interceptions, the sack fumbles. You know, Jonathan Taylor fumbling three times, really four times. Uh, you, you just—they're not good enough. 
And that's what is so hard to understand because that had not been them. Through Frank's first four years, they were almost always top two, three, five in, in turnover differential, and they didn't turn the ball over a lot. And all of a sudden now it's all over the place. And I, I don't know what you point to. It, it's in, in a lot of respects it's the same players, although the quarterback's different, obviously. And he's had, what was it, 14 fumbles and, and lost five. And, and so it, that, that's what's so crazy. And that comes back to the same thing about about with, with, whether it had been Jeff Saturday or Bubba or Gus Bradley or John Fox. Maybe maybe they would have gotten the same immediate boost that first week anyway. And then and then it's back to the old you know Denny Green. They are who they th- we thought they were. That this is who they are. This is this year. This is who they are. And why do we think that's going to change over the last four games? They're they're playing three games coming up against teams that are playing pretty well and need to win. You know, I, I, you could almost argue, you know, in, in a normal situation, hey, they can beat the Giants. The Giants aren't, you know, doing, you know, aren't, aren't great. No, but the Giants are in the thick of the playoff chase. So I just, it, it's just hard to say what, but it's hard to see them getting out of this until after Houston, and then they can start doing the dirty work of getting well, this thing back on track. And, and see, another reason why I think my philosophy would have worked better for Jim Irsay if he really, truly wanted Jeff Saturday, and Saturday wasn't just there for trusted intel regarding his team, which he should be able to get from the people that were already on board anyway right. uh, in those positions. But, you know, you really want now to lose the rest of the way. And you don't want those losses the rest of the way being attached to a guy that most out there was skeptical about the hire in the first place. And it makes it even more difficult, not just for those that are critical of the move in the first place, but for the fan base around here. I mean, you're, well, all, yeah, all you're going to get is constant criticism, like it or not. And, you know, Jeff's been deserving of it with, you know, the, the whole situation, how things have been handled a couple of different times. But you're, you're going to get that. It just comes with the territory and would have been better off to have a clean slate, I think, than doing no what question. he did. And remember a couple of things that Jim Irsay said at, the, at that press conference is, I've never, I've never hired a losing coach. Yeah. Well, if you, hire Jeff, if you hire Jeff, you'll have a losing record. Yeah. So, and the one thing that Jeff – and he's very aware of this. Is when we talked to him last week about, you know, the, 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 you're out of the playoffs, and now everybody outside the building is looking at draft positioning. And he, he just kind of discarded that. He said, "No," he said, "This this will be who we are. You know, these wins and losses will be on my name and on these players' names." And he's right. He's right. The the, the Detroit Lions that went through the 16 that's on their name. That's always going to be part of who they are. So that, that and and you're right that that's that's the bad part of that. But you know the other the again the, to to have gone the other way and and stayed in house, which probably I would have thought would have been better to do with an interim coach. It, it but but it wouldn't it wouldn't have changed anything. But like you said, it would have given Jeff a clean slate to come in here in January and say, you know, th- th- this is who I am. This is what I think I can do. And again, I don't. I just don't know what what evidence you're going to have, good or bad. I just I sit, with how he can handle a job right. over the last month of the season. I, I just I sit here right now, and I thought that that Jim really did want him longer term as the coach. 
I'm more skeptical about that now because it is difficult to sell the fans as we sit here. And you know what the way this team is going to lose these games for the remainder of the season. They're they're not going to be sold on this hire after this year. They're just not. Right. But but that that was always going to be the case. Like, like we've kind of beaten into the ground. That was always going to be the case. You know, you bring him in here and like he said, you don't bring in the interim coach when things are going well. And, you know, he's inheriting a defense that's simply worn down. It, it is worn down, whether it's not an excuse, but, but that, that's, that's real. And the offense simply is not going to get better. What if they scored more than 20 points twice? Why should we think they're going to get better? You know, you, you still don't have an offensive coordinator. You've got Parks Frazier doing his best in a bad situation. And you get the quarterback who's, who seems to be wearing down physically wearing down with arm strength. So yeah, it, it's, it's really, it's a tough sell. And like you say, when Jeff goes in there, if he goes in there in, in January and, and he sits down, part of what he'll sit down with is, is, is the team's record during this stretch. Now, if the owner really likes Jeff Saturday one way or the other, then the record's not going to matter. It'll, it'll be trying to sell, the fan base if that's important to the owner that'll be a tough sell yeah but if, if jim ursay wants jeff saturday to coach he'll go through all the interviews he'll he'll do all the rural requirements and he'll hire jeff saturday and he won't listen to the outside noise because this is who he wants i'm not saying that's what he's gonna do but that's what he can do so if, if that's the case if he sees what he wants to see what he expected to see then the record's not going to matter unless they go out and get beat 54 to 19 a couple more times. And then you can't do it. You simply can't do it, which that's not going to happen. But, but if, and, and that's what people have a problem with, with the Rooney rule is if an owner, Jim Ursay or whomever decides he wants coach X and you, he's going to hire coach X, even after, even though he'll do the required things. And it may not be right from the league's point of view, but that, that's, that's how people in business run their operations. They go with people that generally they're familiar and comfortable with. And, and if that's the case, the record won't matter to Jim Irsay. It'll be, this is who I want. So Mike Chappell of CBS 4 and Fox 59, he's on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Do you think at all in, in the whole thought process in, in how this relates to the Colts and these decisions they're going to have to make coming up uh, either during this final month or after the season, did that John Robinson deal in Tennessee – you know, firing him when they fired him at that moment again with a season that wasn't in the best of spots. Seven and five, I think anyone around here would take right now and leading the division right, right. Uh, as far as they are. But you know, I know some disappointment had set in down in Nashville with the way that team had been playing. But is there is there any effect about the way that was handled compare compared to the way things have been handled? And I guess ultimately all the ownership of where this team is right now with the general manager in mind. I don't know. That, that's still so strange. I, I, you know, they, they put out that thing where we don't like the direction we're going and, and all that. I don't know what that means. Uh, I, to do that now, what's it prove? I, I just, it throws you in sort of, you know, not chaos because you got things in place and people in place to run things, but, 
he, I think he was just given an extension in February, which we know what extensions mean, <laughs> not much. But gosh, I wonder, did, did, did the ownership just go off the rails when A.J. Brown went in there and toasted him? I, I don't know. So whether that, I don't know how that would impact Jim Irsay's thinking with, you know, whether that's with Chris Ballard, I don't know. I, 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 I tend to think they're going to bring Chris back. I just, just from people I've talked with and what I've heard, but that that's that's week to week, and, and we'll see. And I and I could make just as strong of an argument that they need to blow it up and start over. But uh, yeah, I really thought that was strange, and I was always waiting, like a lot of people, that boy, doesn't there have to be a backstory on how what, how you how you behind you firing a guy who's got your three division titles? Yeah, did you have anything in mind? Did you create anything, some kind of thought in your mind to where well, this no. had to have happened? I I was thinking, was there something with the Todd Downing deal that maybe that was you know going to come out here later that uh, was going to be know. hanging on him or what? Because yeah, it didn't make a great deal of sense at well, that it, moment. It, if there's something there, it will get out it, it, because. It gets out. That's that's what happens. It gets out, but we haven't heard anything yet. So maybe this just simply was we're not good enough. And you know, you know, and I've watched, I've read some of the stuff from Nashville about overall the drafts haven't been that good. They've kind of whiffed, and then you, you know, you finally get a a top, gosh, what ten receiver, and you trade him because you don't want to pay him. So in the quarterback situation. You know, have they got the right people in place moving forward? Probably not. I mean, at least you don't know. But it's just so odd that this is a team that's going to win three straight division titles. Was the number one seed last year? Last year. So it's right, and then to the AFC title game the year prior. I, I, so, it, it, yeah. it, I know. Now, are, are they? They're, they're, to me, they're not built to, to play well in the playoffs because generally you're going to need to score to be more of a pass team in the playoffs, but darn, they, they, they've done good things, but it, it also sort of shows you the, the impatience around with a lot of teams that if you're not, if, if you're not Kansas city, if you're not Buffalo, if you're not, I wouldn't say Cincinnati yet, but they're getting there. But if you're not those teams, then you need to really shake things up. And I understand that, but boy, you better be awful sure when, when you, change up a decent thing because it's it's you can lose what you've got you can slip you can make the wrong you know you bring the wrong guy and then you then you really suck yourself back but very interesting and again just from being around this so long i keep waiting for that breaking news that oh the reason they got rid of him was this maybe that won't happen but it just makes you wonder it does. One final quick thing with Mike Chappell here regarding Matt Ryan. There's no way he starts again this season, or is he still the odds-on favorite to make that start once they return from this bye week? I remember talking to Matt after he was benched when he was hurt, which is strange because he, he wasn't going to play anyway. But I said, so should I think that you're not going to play again this year? He said, I've learned to never assume anything. And if this season has shown us anything, it's that. Don't assume anything. I, I Again, I don't know what – I still think he might give you the best chance to win if they can just – if he can avoid the turnovers, which they've not done all year. But I, I won't be surprised if they go to Foles. I won't be surprised if they go to Ellinger. I just don't think it's going to matter. I just I, – I well, uh, Yeah, I don't either, but uh, is there – you know, is there a reason why that – I mean, for one – 
I mean, Ryan and the arm, and he just you know, isn't it just time to? Look, I mean, go to full evidence to me. So yeah, yeah. I I think maybe you make a change just because I think it'll be tough to go back to Ellinger. I do. I do too. Uh, I, I do. So you know, you brought Foles in, making earn his four million dollars or whatever the guarantee money is, and let him maybe he maybe he'll give you the the immediate boost again, and then. The sacks will pile up, and the interceptions will pile up, and then here they are again. But I, 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 I'm, I'm done trying to predict because this season's just been off the rails as far as what. There's no normal to it. There, there's no well. This is what you normally do. Nah, that's gone. So this is <laughs> let's just kind of have a crazy December. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, unfortunately for this team and its fan base, uh, it has backpedaled uh, even further now, being away from yeah. what this this organization from owner certainly beginning with the owner has uh, talked about over the past so couple until, of years until, until not even get, close until they get until they get quarterback fixed nothing else matters nothing. You, you got it all right hey have a great weekend without any football little hiatus for you this weekend away from it take, we'll take it easy and we'll talk to you next week you got it, buddy thank you later it's a mike chapel of cbs4 and fox 59 on the andy moore automotive group hotline